Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. There was a young boy in his school class, and the teacher was telling them, believe it or not, how foolish the Bible is. And she would say that the stories written in the Bible were foolish. And one in particular she pointed out was a story where Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, she asked this little boy to stand up thinking that she would, you know, embarrass him. And she said to him, surely you don't believe this nonsense of Jesus turning water into wine? The little boy thought for a minute, and he told her, I'm not sure if Jesus turned the water into wine, because I was not there. But I do know that at our house, he turned beer into bread. Stunned, the teacher looked back, and what are you talking about? Yes, ma'am. My, I know Jesus turned beer into bread. You see, my daddy got saved, quit drinking, and now we have food on the table. The title of my message is quite amusing. I've entitled it, Don't Be Messing With My Bread. And I need you today to put on your spiritual thinking caps. You've got to walk in the Spirit. Now, when I say don't be messing with my bread, I'm not talking about a song in which he warns his girl, don't be messing with his money, right? We use the term money as bread. That's my bread. That's my dough. I'm not talking about that, nor am I actually talking about the flour, the water, the yeast, and the salt in which we have bread. I'm not talking about that. If we pay close attention to our text today, we'll discover that this one Gentile woman fully understood what bread meant. I find it interesting that throughout these chapters, bread is mentioned a lot. And we're going to see that today. Now, what should we do? Well, if you're taking note, I need you to jot this down. Okay? Bread was but a symbol of God's gracious provision for those in need. That's what bread is. It was a symbol for God's gracious provision for those in need. Here's the problem. You go, what's the problem? Everyone seemed to be missing it, including the disciples. If you recall, in John chapter 6, Jesus made a complete teaching of how he is the bread of life. He is the one who sustains us. He is the one who fills us. He is the one who satisfies us. But not from a physical standpoint, but a spiritual standpoint. The bread of life brings peace in our lives. And they missed it. They missed it. Now, before I get ahead of myself, which I have a tendency to do, let me remind you what we talked about last week. 
I draw your attention to chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Notice with me, it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Notice, for they do not wash their hands when they eat, help me church, bread. Okay, so 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 there it is. Now, bread meant nothing to the scribes and the Pharisees. But I find interesting that Matthew caught it. He didn't say, oh, why, why do you eat? Why don't your disciples wash hands while they eat? He, he said bread. He, he, did you all catch bread? He said bread. And so, and, and, and so now we've got to do some work here. We've got to do some work because he's setting us up for what he wants to do. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees, all they wanted was, was just a pretext for, for what? For accusing Jesus. Their minds, listen church, listen, their minds were fixed on their tradition that their eyes saw nothing but unwashed hands that touched bread. You you guys tracking? How important is it for us to guard our minds? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that's all they saw. Well, well. Now, here's, here's the two things I want to point out. Do you remember last week? The religious folks of the day, now remember, they came from Jerusalem, so these guys were the bigwigs, okay? These were the corporate bosses coming to your job to inspect how you're doing. And everybody's like, ah, clean everything. This is who they are. This is, it reminds me of a story. It has nothing to do with the, the Bible study, but it reminds me of a story. I used to, I used to run a, a big furniture store, and... Um, when my, the owner would come into surprise visit, I had a friend who was at the airport that would always call me and say, hey, you're, uh, the owner's on the way. He just booked a, a car here. All right, let's clean the church. Let's clean everything. We clean. Anyway, that has nothing to do with it. But that's what's going on. And so the bigwigs come, right? And they start to confront Jesus about their tradition of men. You guys remember that? Remember, they were concerned with the ceremonial cleansing. They would take half an eggshell of water, they would put their hands up, and then they would wash this way. And then they would take half an eggshell of water, and then they would put it this way. And then they would do the same with the other hand. And this is what they... And you go, well, Ben, what, what, what was up with that? Well, remember last week, here's what we learned. We learned that the tradition of the elders, air quotes, was, was interesting. They believed that when you went to bed... Demons sat on your hands. And when you got up in the morning and you ate, you were eating demons inside you, and now you were demon-possessed. That's what they believed. And so they're coming to Jesus going, oh, your, your, your disciples are not, they're not. But, you know, they're, they're all of these things. As a matter of fact, if you're a student of the Bible, you remember they actually accused Jesus of what? of being demon-possessed. Oh, he can only do miracles from Beelzebub. So we learned that. And that was, that was just, and the Lord's like, seriously, okay. The second thing we learned is the Pharisees missed who Jesus was. Now, I want you to let that sink in. The Pharisees missed who Jesus was. I believe a lot of 
Christians, if you will, miss who Jesus is. And, and I say that lovingly because, because sometimes we have a doctrine or a religion and we know a lot about Jesus, but we never experience him. And, and so they really miss, like, like it doesn't really sink here. They, they have a, oh, I know Jesus and I know about and I know how I, but it never goes here to where it actually transforms their lives. And that's why people get upset about other Christians. So they go, well, they're, they're claiming to be a Christian, but I don't see a difference. I don't see a life that's transformed. My, my brother, my, my friend, my uncle, they're still the same as they were before. Sometimes we see the Pharisees, the very ones that should have recognized this is the Messiah, missed him. Why? You ready? Because they were concerned with the tradition and the physical bread that they missed the fact that he was the bread of life. And so we have to step back as believers and go, Lord, I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss all of you because of my traditions, because of the culture that I was raised in. I don't want to miss that. I, I need to see you. I need to see you. So where we left off last week, do you guys remember? We learned that the Jews, right, even the Jewish people would have to, the disciples, if you will, would have to break away from their Jewish tradition of this day. And so the Lord has to work that out in the disciples. Okay? Now, think about this. He's going to show us today, he's going to show us something so amazing. But he's trying to teach Peter. Now, Peter, being a disciple, doesn't get it until Acts chapter 10. It takes a while, which is encouraging for us. Can I get an amen? amen. Because sometimes it takes us a long time. I, did you learn the lesson? No, I'm still walking. And, and, and sometimes, I mean, and, and you guys know this. You have read the Bible 150 times, and then he goes, oh, <laughs> oh. Or, or you'll go through something, and you go, oh, I get it. I should have learned that a long time ago. That's Peter, Okay. So when you get to heaven, you and Pete can hang out at his house and be like, I'm just like Pete, man. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. So Pete, what do we have to do? Well, like me, maybe like you, God has to give Pete a visual. He has to give a visual. He's, he's taught him. He's walked with him. But Pete's not getting it. So Pete, come, come here, buddy. Let's talk. We're, we're, we're going to see that, right? So we're going to see this in, in a minute in Acts chapter 10. But let me set the stage. Okay, here's the stage. You ready? The text today is preparing us for what we call the Great Commission. You guys understand the Great Commission? Matthew chapter 28. You go, wait a minute, Ben, wait a minute. We just read in Matthew chapter 10 that Jesus sent his disciples only to the Jewish people. He didn't send them to the Gentiles. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. But in Matthew 28, what's he going to do? He's going to send them all out to the Jews and the Gentiles, right? So today, keep that in mind. He's going to send them to all the world. And we have a glimpse of this in our text because what do we find Jesus doing today? 
ministering to the Gentiles. Whoa, whoa, wait, didn't you just say in Acts chapter 10, he sent his disciples only to the Jews? Yes, but today he's going to the Gentiles. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you guys remember we studied the feeding of the 5,000. Do you remember that? Plus women and children. Do you realize that those were Jewish people who were following Jesus? He's going to feed 4,000 today. Do you know who they are? They're the Gentile people. You can't make this stuff up. It's, it's inspired. It's the word of God. I'm like, I don't care how creative people are writing. God is just walking in the pages of scripture. And it's so amazing. Why is Jesus, why is Jesus going to the Gentiles? Well, remember, the Lord has already indicated that the Jewish cities, which he ministered for the most part, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. Okay. Our text today is a preview of what we're going to see in Acts chapter 10 and 11. So you can jot that down in your notes. But... Peter's eventually, or God's going to eventually send Peter to the Gentiles to what? To preach the gospel. Now, we looked at this last week, but I just want to go through it again because I feel it's important. Guys, look at Acts chapter 10, picking it up in verse 9 through 15. It says, the next day, as they were on their journey, these were Cornelius sending the servants to go get Peter. He drew near the city and Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And it was about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound with four corners descending to him and it let down to earth. And on it was all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. So Peter traditionally would look at this and go, mm-mm, mm-mm. And the voice came out of heaven and said, Rise, wake up, Peter. Go ahead and kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord. Not so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Well, think about this. He says, For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. I've kept the tradition. I've kept the heritage. I've kept how my daddy raised me kind of thing. You realize that when Peter and the gang walked with Jesus, that they kept the dietary laws. They, they did this. But Jesus is trying to teach him something. And so he says, boom, here's a visual. Rise, Peter. And it says, rise, Peter, kill any. And he says, and a voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. So this is not only about dietary. He's trying to teach Peter. I'm calling you to the Gentiles. Now, jot this down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say it again later on, but I want you to jot this down. Jewish people thought that the only reason Gentiles were created was to stoke the fires of hell. That's the only reason you were created. So Jewish people actually looked down. They looked at Gentiles and went, <laughs> don't, even, don't even bother. Because all you were, all you're good for is firewood kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how they believed. And so, God's like, no, 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 no. 
He said, look at you guys. He said, you're, you're, you're not created for the fires of hell. You're created to, to live with me. I'm going to send Peter. I'm going to send Peter. Well, Peter he has a visual. Here's where he comes. And, and I mean, this is, this is exactly. So the story goes, Peter, oh, let me say this. The story goes, God is preparing Peter for what? The Gentiles. But he had to break the long-lasting Jewish traditions. What he needed to do is the same thing he needs to do with us. He needed to set Peter free so others could hear the gospel. We need to be set free. And, and, and sometimes not so much from traditions... But sometimes, church, I'm going to step on some toes, particularly mine. Sometimes we're so legalistic that we can't preach the gospel. Let's say that chewing gum is a sin. And I go, oh, don't you dare chew gum. Don't you chew that gum. If you're in my house, you're going to chew that gum. And we get legalistic that guess what? The person chewing gum goes, Wow. If that's what Christianity is. Or sometimes we get too lenient. We get too, hey, just you can chew gum. You can have the whole pack, man. God loves you. We've got to be real careful. Because the bottom line is, is that we need to be set free to go, listen, we need to love people back to life and let the Lord move them in their heart. We need the Lord do it. We need the Lord do it. Hey, man, you want to come to my house and chew some gum? Listen, bro, I'd love to, but I don't chew gum because, because listen, I just love Jesus. Um, so maybe we can hook up after or whatever. Why don't you chew? Well, I just love God. Well, really show me. And then you get to minister and you go, listen, listen. Some of us in this room have, this is going to sound weird on tape. Some of us in this room have a lot of friends who chew gum. Right? And we need to love them to the place where they go, I don't need a gum anymore. I love Jesus. So, so Peter needed to be set free. Why? Because, if you will, the Gentiles didn't keep the kosher dietary laws of the Jewish people. You know? And a Jewish person wouldn't go into a, gen, a, a Gentile home. Hey, I just killed the cow outside. Come have some steak. No, 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 no. Right? Or, or whatever it might be. I mean, there was, there was strict dietary laws. But he's saying that's, it's not about the food. So what does Jesus do? He does what he does so best. This is classic God. He prepares the disciples for later. And he's going to train them up. You realize that you come to church because God is training you up. He's preparing you. Everything you're going to walk through in these next 6 to 12 to 15 to 18 months, God's preparing you now. This is what he does. This is what he does. He's training us. So don't be messing with my bread. Again, remember, bread was a symbol of God's gracious provision for those in need. Jews and Gentiles alike. How do I know? Well, think about it. Paul writes in Romans 1, 16, 
It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also the Greek or the Gentile. Isn't that classic God, right? He's saying, listen, it's for everyone who believes. But, but the order came was the Jew first. Not because I don't like the Gentiles, but because there's just order in God's kingdom. Oh, oh. Well, that's good. Okay, okay. So what do we do? Well, with that, let's, let's, that's a long introduction. Let's jump into our text. Look at verse 21 with me, guys. Then Jesus went out from there, and he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. I can't help but see the heart of a mom here. We could put anything in there in our day and age. Mamas can go, Lord, help. My daughter has lupus, cancer, COVID, whatever it might be. It's the same cry of the heart. It's the same cry, Lord, do something, please. Now, we've got to do some work. Why? Because these verses are power-packed. You go, what do you mean? Jesus leaves the region where he was, and he goes to Tyre and Sidon, Okay? This is, if you're taking note, Gentile territory. And, and could you imagine being his disciples? Okay? We're, we're going to Tyre, we're going to Sidon. Now you go, well, what is that? Well, if you just want to know, it's modern day Lebanon. If you go up to a, a modern day Lebanon, Israel sits here, it's right up on top. Syria sits next to it, but it's, it's modern day Lebanon. Now, think about this for just a minute. You're a disciple. You're a disciple, and you're hanging out with Jesus. And you go, yo, Jay, where are we going next? And he goes, follow me, gang. And he heads up to Tyre and Sidon. You would be confused. You would be really confused because you're going, whoa. What? Let, let's say that Adam's a, a disciple with me. I say, Adam, Adam, where's Jesus going? I, I, I don't know. Should, shouldn't we go back to like, should, shouldn't we go back to like Tiberias? Should we not go back? Maybe we should go to Jerusalem. That's where the Jews, where, where do we? No, we're going to come up here. We'd be confused. We'd be confused. Okay? Because I would go to Adam and I'd say, Adam, um, when we went out last month, he sent us to, he said, don't go to Gentiles. He said, just go to the Jews. But Jesus is the boss. So, so let's go. We'd also be confused because why are we in Tyre and Sidon? I mean, are we just gonna, these, the, the Gentiles were simply created to what? To keep the fires of hell burning. So why would we go there? What do we, what do we, you, you understand how the disciples would be confused. Here's some good application. Sometimes when God is moving in our lives, it seems like confusion until the end of the story. Come on, somebody. Maybe I didn't say it right. <laughs> Sometimes you're going, I don't know what God is doing. But as a disciple, I'm still going to trust and follow him. I'm still going to trust. Melanie, it's confusing. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know what he's doing. It's confusing. Why would he do? 
But in Matthew 28, they go, we know. Go ye all into the world. This is what we're doing. But right now, here's what he's doing. You're in the Lord's army right now. I'm in the Lord's army. You're in the Lord's army. And he's going to prepare you here to send you out there. Now, we should all be very, we should be good soldiers of the Lord, should we not? Good soldiers. Okay, Lord, what do you want to do? But I find it interesting in our text that it was a Canaanite woman that came to Jesus. A Canaanite woman. Now, time doesn't permit me to talk all about the Canaanites, but you know, they were not, they were not good. I mean, they, this was not good, but a, but, but a woman comes to Jesus and notice what she does. She comes out, guys, crying for mercy. Crying for mercy. The text here doesn't indicate it, but Mark tells us that, he, that this lady, that they actually, Jesus went inside a house with his disciples and the lady went in the house. And she's crying out to the Lord. And, and here's what comes to mind. Here's what comes to mind, okay? The first time I read this, I thought, how did she know Jesus? Because up until this point, the main ministry has been to the Jewish people. She's up, she's up, she's up, she's up north. How does she know? Well, the text doesn't tell us, but I bet somebody posted it on Facebook and she heard about him. No, 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 they didn't have Facebook, but you guys understand the news spread of the Lord. Did you hear? I think it's the Messiah. His name is Yahshua and he's doing miracles. You know, because my cousin, her brother was, I mean, and you know, you guys understand how that, but somehow, can I just say this? The Holy Spirit was active in the world back here the same as he is today. He was, he was drawing people. And here's this Canaanite woman going, <sighs> how did she know? Unless the news of him spread throughout Israel. I, I think there's a lesson here. I think we could grab a lesson. Actually, quite opposite of what we just read. You go, what, what's the lesson? Don't assume that people know about Jesus just because we live in the Bible Belt. You You understand? Because I can go into any coffee shop and go, hey, got my Bible, how many of you are Christian? And 90 percent of the people in the coffee shop will raise their hand. But I don't want to assume just because we live in a place that, that is that is the Bible belt that people know my Jesus. Because I think a lot of people know about my Jesus, but they don't know my Jesus. Right? You know, I could go online today and I could do some research and I could find out what Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Cowboys, what his favorite steak is. I could find out where he likes to go. I could find out what his favorite. All of, I could find out all that information about him and then I could tell you 
I know all about this information. I know about him. I know that. He goes here. He goes there. He does this. He's a blah, 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 blah. And you guys would actually think maybe I know him. But I never sat down. I don't know the quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys or the Rams or whatever it might be. And a lot of people do that, church. They know a lot of facts about Jesus, but they don't know him. What is an evidence of knowing God? Your life is different. It's a huge evidence. For once you wanted to strangle people, now you want to hug them. That's a big evidence, is it not? Or used to be, I mean, people, would you'd be angry, come here. Now you're like, come here. For men, for men, telling another brother you love them would be hard. We don't know, we don't do that, we're men, we don't say. But now it's like, man, I love you, buddy. Love you, bro. It's easy because the Lord lives inside us. It's easy. That's it's a good lesson for us to learn. Not to assume that people know Jesus just because they live in Lubbock. Well, nonetheless, she comes out to Jesus crying out, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now, The second thing we need to know, notice what she calls him. She calls him the son of David, the son of David. Okay, so the son of David is a term given to the Messiah. How does she know that he's the Messiah? Well, she may not know he's the Savior because later on it's going to be translated the son of God. But right now, she he's you are the Meshach, son of David. You are the Meshach. And she believes. And she believes. The son of David has messianic overtones, indicating that the uh, Canaanite woman, check this out, had some better insight into Jesus' identity than many of the Jews. You go, what do you mean? Well, here she's going, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David, the bread of life. She's got some insight. She's got some insight. Third notation, jot this down. What's she doing? She's crying out for deliverance. Her daughter is severely demon-possessed. And I love the heart of this mom. Because it's one thing to go when the Bible says, oh, she was demon-possessed. But the Bible uses the word severely. She is severely demon-possessed. That's not good. That's not good. A couple things we need to learn right here. You go, what's that? This Gentile woman was either a new convert who, who, who practiced the, the, the demon occult, because that's what they did in the Canaanite region, okay? They didn't, they practiced this, and, and, and which would stem, stem to see why her daughter was caught up in it. And so she comes to the Lord crying out for mercy. That's one thing we can learn. Parents, listen to me, because I love you enough to tell you this. What we as adults and parents do in moderation, our children will do in excess. And that's either really good news or that's bad news. Because if you, if you do God in excess, your kids will see you. 
But just be careful, because I don't know what this Canaanite woman was involved, but her daughter is severely demon-possessed. What was she involved in? What did she allow her daughter to do? What did this little young girl see Mama do? And whatever Mama did in moderation, maybe she did in excess. But that's a good principle, is it not? Because you think of David. David had more than one wife. You understand that, right? But then here comes Solomon, and Solomon broke the, he, he broke the bank. Are you kidding me? He had 700 wives and 700 mother-in-laws. Just kidding. And 300 concubines. Do you remember what the Lord said? You need to have uno. One. One wife. One wife. What's the second thing we can learn? The second thing we can learn from this demon-possessed girl, as we as believers, we need to understand that demons are real. We don't go after supernatural ghost hunting. Ooh, I like this show. Well, Disney's putting it on, or so-and-so's putting it. No, 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 no. Demons are real, guys. But here's what I want you to know. If you're here today and you're a believer, you cannot be possessed by them. The Bible says when you gave your heart to Jesus, he came in, he took up residency, and there is no room for demons. Amen? There's not. Light cannot exist with dark. Dark cannot exist. So you cannot. But here's what you can do. You can be oppressed. You can be stressed. You can even be attacked by them. But they cannot possess you. You are possessed by God. So what did Jesus do? Notice his answer. This is, this is, look, look at verse 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came, worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Wow. Wow. If you have a pencil handy, circle this area right here because the Greek, the tender, the text is, is, it, it, the text renders it this way. She wouldn't stop. She wouldn't stop. The tenacity of her was like, God, please, God, God. And you guys, moms, you know what I'm talking about. What would you not do for your kids? Would you please stop that? You're, you're just, that's my baby. Are you kidding me? And, he, and she's not going to stop. She's not going to stop. She's not going to stop. And many of you in this room knows what it's like to bang the, the heavens in prayer for your babies. That's what she's doing. That's what she's doing. But what trips me out is that Jesus didn't speak a word. I don't know about you, but I might have got discouraged. Lord, 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 you know, and, and, and following him in the house. Lord, Lord, have mercy on me, my Lord. And he's just, Craig, Jesus is mean. He didn't talk to me. Fine. And do we not do this, church? Come on. Do we not? Well, fine, whatever. God doesn't want to talk to me, whatever. This lady said, no, 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 no. There's something here. There's something here. You go, what's that? Well, Jesus doesn't speak a word, not because he's mean, but because he wants to teach the disciples a lesson. He wants to do that. What do you mean? Well, they get tired of her 
And they tell Jesus, Jesus, do me a favor, send her away. Right? She's, she's, really, she's really messing up our vibe here, man. She needs to go. Listen, we've had a hard day of ministry. Just let, Lord, she's not listening to us. Send her away. Here's the lesson. Jesus answered both them and her because she's in the room. He goes, I was sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. <sighs> Notice what it says. It says she didn't give up. Come on, somebody. She didn't give up. Come on, somebody. She didn't give up. You got to not give up. Listen to me, church. You've got to keep praying for your kids. Keep praying for your family. Keep praying for your friends. You do not give up. Pastor, I don't see anything happening. You keep praying. The text doesn't say, well, she gave up and went home. We keep praying. We keep knocking. Lord, 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 Lord. Right? Mark tells us, guys, the tenacity of faith. She worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I want to be this woman, quote unquote. You go, why? Because I want to be and have a heart to worship and, 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 and no matter, if God's not talking to me, that's okay. I'm going to keep worshiping him. I'm going to keep loving him. I'm going to keep following him. God's not speaking to me. He will. I just need, I just know. I just know. I want to have that tenacity of faith. So what is Jesus doing? He's preparing them for Matthew 28. But notice what he says. But then Jesus answered and said what? It's not good to take the children's, what is that? Bread, oh, there it is again. And throw it to the little dogs. Whoa, 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 time out. Did Jesus just call her a dog? Now the disciples are probably going, yeah, yeah, Gentiles are dogs. I mean, that's kind of what, no, 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 no. And when you first read it, you would think, Jesus is mean, man. He just, no, 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 no. Here, here it is, guys. Here it is. This sounds really harsh, but it's not. Um, Remind him. He's reminding her that he is the bread of life that first came to Israel. But the term little dogs is not the wild dogs that you would see out in Israel that were horrible. You, you remember the dogs that would lick Lazarus' souls when he was out that the sores? That's, it's not. This is the little lap dog. This is your little dog that you love to death. And when they would jump on him, you know, and you just, oh my, that, that's what it means. It's the one where you would, well, some of you that you would sleep with. And you have your little dog. That's my, that's my yeah. Th that's what it means. So he's saying, listen, listen, listen. He said, it's not good for me to, what? Take the children, Israel's bread, and throw it to the little lap dogs. And her response is, okay, Lord, I guess I'll go home. Wait, that's not what it says. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. You know what she did? She took the very word that Christ spoke, the little dogs, for little dogs, and turned it to her advantage. And she says, yes, even the little lap dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. It's not about bread. It's not about crumbs. Right? Why? Jesus recognized it. Look at verse 28. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. 
let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Why? What did she say? Because Jesus, once again, in the presence of his disciples, they're talking about bread. But guess what he says? Understand, this woman gets it. This woman gets it. This woman sensed that the bread wasn't bread. But it was a symbol of God's gracious provision in for those in need. And thus, she pled with her Savior to keep her, a mere lapdog, a scrap of bread, knowing that she was really asking for the gift of grace, the deliverance of her daughter from the grip of Satan. This girl got it. Jesus went, whoa, whoa. No wonder Jesus could say that God hid the spiritual truths from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to mere babes. Can you imagine? She got it. She realized that Jesus was the bread. And she goes, I need that. Even if it's a little of you, Jesus, I need that. My daughter needs you. And she worshiped. You'll never read this story again knowing this. But the scene changes because we've got to hurry. The scene changes and Jesus' ministry continues. So he's out of the Gentiles, but notice verse 29. And Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, went up to the mountains and sat down there. Then a great multitude came to him, having them with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And he, they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, and the maimed made whole, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified God and the God of Israel. So what does Jesus do? He leaves the area of Tyre and Sidon, and he comes back to the, to the region of the Galilee, right? And what's he doing? He's been doing the same thing that we've been reading about in chapter 4, in chapter 9, in chapter 14. He's healing the multitudes. Can I just say this to you? Our God is a God of compassion. And when your heart breaks, I bet his heart is breaking as well. Do you, do you realize that the Bible says that every tear that you cry, he saves in a bottle. He knows every tear that you cry. Even your closest and best friend doesn't know the tears that you cry, but Jesus does. I just wonder how many times we go, God, you could do something, and God goes, I know I could, but I've got a bigger purpose. But here we see that he, and they brought him, right? Jesus' fame is moving. They brought him, and he, and, and I mean, look what he's doing. He's constantly ministering. And what did the people do? They glorified God. They glorified God. So as we continue, he goes on. Notice verse 32. And Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Okay, so they're there. They're all, I mean, they're all, the mute people are talking. The lame are walking. The maimed are, I mean, this is, this is incredible, but there's a lot of them. And he goes, um, you know what? They've actually walked with me three days. 
and they have nothing to eat. He says, guys, I don't want to send them away hungry, lest something happen, like they faint on the way. Then the disciples said to him, where could we get enough, what's that word? What? Bread. In the wilderness to fill such a great multitude. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Okay? Everybody goes, oy vey. Right? Why? Because we've been with the disciples who, who, who for the sake, 5,000 men plus women and children. Okay, let's just, 12,000. He fed 12,000 people and they still had, they had leftovers. You know what? They had a doggy bag. I mean, they had 12 of them. So all of a sudden, same scenario, only Gentiles. And Jesus goes, oh, look, poor guys. I don't want them to go. They, I don't want that. You've you got a long way back to Slayton. I don't want you to faint going back. to. Let's feed him. Let's feed him. Guys, what should we do? And they're like, uh, uh, where could we get enough bread? To feed them. Now, before we jump on the disciples for not remembering the feeding of the 5,000, let us give them a little bit of grace. Can we do that? You go, what do you mean? They realize that they're Gentiles. And they're going, Lord, should we really feed them? Because if these Gentiles get saved... They're just going to burn in hell anyway, so I'm not sure what... Hmm. Hmm. So, again, where are, they, where are they set? Their mindset is in Jewish tradition, and it hasn't broke yet to go ye all into the world, okay? Matthew doesn't tell us, but a parallel account in Mark chapter 8 appears to be set in Decapolis another Gentile, non-Jewish region. So Jesus comes down there. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And a few little fish. So once again, what does Jesus ask? How many, how much bread do you have? And the disciples go, seven. We're, they're missing it. They're missing it right now. And that's okay, because I've missed a lot of things too until the Lord, oh, okay, I get it. So my job is to, hey, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Why? Because the lessons that need to be learned here, guys, is this. Jesus is the bread of life proven to the Jewish people. Don't miss it. And then Matthew's going to tell him in chapter 28, go all to the world, both Jew and Gentile. So what does Jesus do? Verse 35, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks. He broke them. Everybody see that? Broke them. Why is that key? Go ahead and underline that real quick, because that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He's the bread of life that was broken his broken body for us. My Jesus is always teaching us, guys, if you'll look, and you'll draw close. So he broke them. He gave it to his disciples. The disciples gave it to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And guess what they took up? 
seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Wow. Now, those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And when they all had a great feast, he sent the multitudes, he got on the boat, and he came to the region of Magdalia. We've been there. That's where Jesus came. That is crazy. As we close today's study, we discover that Jesus is preparing the disciples and us to go into the world. It's not enough for you and I to come and sit on blue chairs and and get a Bible study and have some coffee and have some fellowship. He's preparing you to go into all the world. Every one of us are meeting different people. Every one of us are meeting people that I can't meet or won't see. He's preparing the disciples. You are now his disciples. And he shows them, okay, we're going to go to the Jew first, but now the Gentile. What does that mean? There are no people off limits. We're going to all people. All people. Doesn't matter the color of our skin, we're going to the people. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. So what are we meant to learn? Well, Pastor, you gave us a lot. Yeah, let me give you let me give you a little bit more, okay? Most importantly, we see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ in this text. We see he has compassion and mercy and grace, and I need all those. And you do too. We see that Jesus is merciful to the Canaanite woman, while his disciples want to get rid of her. I want a heart like Jesus. But if you look at this, and even in chapter 16 next week, you're going to see a lot of bread. You'll see leaven, you'll see crumbs, you'll see bread. And it occurred to me in studying the passage that bread is the key to really understanding the chapter. And some people are focusing on the physical bread. Well, if I come to Jesus, well, then I, I'll, I'll get my wife back, or I'll have this back, or if I come to Jesus, my problems will be solved. And we're focusing all on the physical outward circumstances that we're hoping he'll change. Other people are focusing on traditions and rituals. Well, if I go to church, well, then that's ritualistic enough that God has to smile down on me and I'll go to heaven. All the while, we're missing the bread of life, the one that gives us the things that we really, really need, which is peace, love, joy, compassion, mercy, grace for other people. Those are the things that we long for. Those are the things that, are, that, that I go, that's what I need. And so the text says, what are we focused? Don't be messing with my bread, because why? Because the bread of life wants to change your life. And he wants to move you. If you're a believer here, he wants to move you even to a deeper walk with him. He wants your prayer life to be deeper. He wants your faith to grow stronger. That's what he's saying. If you're not a believer, 
He's offering you, he's offering you the, 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 the greatest thing you could ever imagine. Eternal life. He's offering you the bread forever to be sustained. You guys know what bread does? I love bread. I love bread. All kinds of bread. I want to make you hungry. Tortillas? Love tortillas. I love toast and jelly. But every time I eat bread, it actually fills me up. You meant those, those, those little biscuits, you know, made with butter on top of a good bowl? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> if the physical bread fills me up, what do they used to tell us when we were growing up? Don't fill up on... Because we would, right? Right? There was a place in Sykeston, Missouri. Anybody know where Sykeston, Missouri is besides me? Nobody, see? One, he knows, okay. They have a place called Lambert's. And Lambert's was, you, you remember Lambert's? Home of the throwed rolls. Yep. You sit at your table, and from here to right about Alfonso, they would throw bread. <laughs> Big old giant rolls. And if you missed, you got bopped in the head. That was their whole key. It was home of the throat rolls. That's what they did. Hey, fresh bread. And there's Joe. And Joe would raise his hand like this. And, and Beverly better watch out because one was coming. And it was all part of the fun, right? If you caught it and, and if you didn't, if you didn't like your wife at the time, you'd let it go, you know. Oh, sorry, honey. But they told you, here's the thing. If you went to Lambert's, guys, you would eat all, I mean, it was all you can eat. So if you ordered a chef salad, they'd keep bringing you until you, till you tapped out. But the one thing they told you is don't fill up on the bread. They were huge. Because then you wouldn't eat. But see, that was their whole ploy. If they filled you up on bread, if you ordered a steak or you ordered a salad or you ordered a sandwich, it's not all you can eat. You, you, oh, and I remember walking out of there going, Oh, wow. But then I was hungry the next day because the physical bread only satisfies for a moment. But the spiritual bread, the bread of life, he's saying, that's going to satisfy for eternity. You agree? Amen. Father, we thank you today. What a great passage, Lord. You fed 4,000 Gentiles. I thank you that we as Gentiles are here. We love you, Lord. And that, and Lord, you didn't leave it. You grafted us in the vine. We're blessed. God, help us to um, learn the lesson. Lord, help us to keep our focus where it needs to be. And help us to see that it's not a physical uh, need we have, but it's a spiritual need. And even now, many might be watching on, t- on Facebook and many might be listening to this later on on the podcast, but, but Lord, I'm praying that they would see that you are the bread of life. Just like this Canaanite woman said, she said, I, I see, I see he's the one. He's the only one I need. And God, you'll be glorified. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I would just ask, is there anyone here that says, Pastor Ben, I've missed the bread of life. 
And you know how I know, Ben? Because I'm not saved. I don't have a relate. You were saying stuff about having a relationship with God and, and Him speaking. I don't, I don't have that. As a matter of fact, Ben, I feel like, I feel like God doesn't even hear my prayers. I feel like I'm, I'm just light years away from Him. Listen to me. You may feel like you, you may feel like that today, that you're miles, oceans, whatever it might be away from God, but listen, you're only one decision away from Him today. You're only one decision. But you have to make that decision. Nobody can make it for you. Well, what do I have to do, Ben? Well, all I have to do is open up your heart. Say, Lord, I believe in you, but I want to change. And I, don't, I can't do it myself. You're going to have to do it, but I'm willing to submit to let you do it. Because here's what God wants to do. It's the beautiful, great exchange. He wants to give you a beautiful life here on earth and then take you to heaven when it's time. And you'll have eternal life in the heavens with him but you'll have a great joy on earth while you're here. Wouldn't you want that? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to exchange a life, a rough life, a, 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 a stressful life, a crazy life, a, for a life that's, that's guided by God's Holy Spirit? You go, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, again, it's between you and God, but all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. Well, what do I need to do? Well, all you have to do is just lift your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want Jesus. I want all of Jesus. I, want, I, want to, I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. If that's you right now, I just want to pray for you. Would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Nobody's going to see you. God's going God's to just, uh, he'll see your heart. And if you're watching online, and uh, God's moving. All you have to do is just lift your hand. He'll see you. I'm just going to pray for you. Is anyone here? Father, I thank you. And I do pray, if there's anyone watching online that you see, Lord, I pray that you would save them, Lord. That you would, you would just continue to speak to them. And that they would pray just a, a simple prayer of saying, Lord, I believe. And I believe that you died on the cross. And I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn away from the life that I live and I'm going to follow you. And Lord, today I give you my life, I give you my heart, and I ask you to guide me. And this day, for forever, I'm going to follow you till the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.